You may be seated. There's a video. Hey, Minnesota Youth Live wants to come alongside you to help you reach more students in your community. Now, we know that during this COVID and pandemic time, it's been a little bit more difficult to do those things. But Youth Alive has adjusted also to come alongside you still and to come alongside your students also to see them be able to reach their friends. I know there are a lot of things that are happening. I know there's a lot of things going on. I know that there's a lot of things that we do not know, but I do know this, you can make it through. I do know this, we can make it through. Sure, there's a lot of things that we can help with, but one of the things that has come up is creating online communities through social media and beyond. We wanna come alongside your students and help them begin to see how they can make that happen. We're going to continue to do school assemblies and try to come alongside your schools with hybrid type school assembly programs that are live slash live stream and we'll work with any school that wants to see that happen so we can bring hope to students across the state of Minnesota. Well, that's awesome. I don't know how else to put it. Tonight's, or today's speaker is the leader of Minnesota Youth Alive, and his name's Richard Baker, and I'm going to invite him up to join me real quick, and can we guys give him a round of applause? Come on now. Yeah. So, I had the pleasure of meeting Richard, actually last year we did a school assembly, and man, Russell was like, you will love him, and Russell was right. I am so glad Richard is here today to join us and to present the word for us today. And can you guys just, once again, just give him a round of applause. I'm just so excited for what you are doing in schools and in communities, Richard. I can't thank you enough. And as we get into this, I just want to pray over you that the Lord's Spirit moves through you. So will you join us in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, for Richard. God, thank you for Youth Alive. And Lord, I just thank you for how he is touching not only Minnesota, but Lord, how he is touching Iowa. God, I just thank you for how his spirit and Lord, what you are doing through him. Father, I prepare our hearts for what he's going to share. And Lord, I pray right now that Holy Spirit, you work through him. That Father, you speak through him today. And that Lord, you give us a word. We thank you. We love you. We praise you. Amen. Amen. Thank, thank you, Pastor you. Lance. Thank you, Faith Community Church, for having me down. Thank you for being supporters of our mission, which, uh, as Lance has said, we've adopted part of Iowa, your part of Iowa, for what we do with school assembly programs, and we are so happy to partner with you in doing that across. You know, I would have to say this area of Iowa we do more schools in this area of Iowa than we do in certain sections of Minnesota where we haven't been yet. So it's pretty amazing that we'll just adopt you as Minnesota. 
or you can, you can adopt us as Iowans. However it works for you, it's all good with us because I just love the bridge and the partnership that we have between us. They, uh, Pastor Russell asked me to share a little bit about Youth Alive so you get just a little bit of a feel. And Tyler, that's slide one right there. I'm just checking. All right, terrific. So just to give you a little bit of a view, uh, we want to work with churches all across the state of Minnesota and Youth Alive as a whole across the nation to help connect churches with public schools for sure, along with other schools. We're already usually connected with private schools, um, online, or even homeschooling. There seems to be a great church connection there. But the public school sometimes has become that entity out there that's part of our community, but churches have been separated from them uh, for whatever reason. And Youth Alive wants to come alongside you, which you've already experienced in this church, come alongside you to connect you with those schools. Yep, you've had great youth pastors. You have a great youth pastor. They're doing their thing, but as a church body, be able to build bridges to schools around your area. And that's the biggest part of Youth Alive. I want to just take a little look here. Kim wasn't able to be with me. Kim is actually uh, my wife of uh, now 36 years. She's a microbiologist. She works for the Mayo Clinic. And uh, even though she's supposed to be traveling because of COVID, she can't travel because her her territories are outside the United States. But uh, she works just as a liaison between Mayo Medical Labs and the outside world and all the testing, which you can imagine COVID testing is a a real crushing thing right now. I believe one day last week they had 86,000 tests in one day. So there's a lot of things going on at Mayo Clinic. That's why she's not here with me. She doesn't get to travel with me all that often. I love it when she can, but at least you get to see her pretty face uh, on the screen. So my wife, Kim. We have three boys. Uh, They're all a little older now. Two of them are married. Um, One has three sons. Uh, The youngest one just got married a year and a half ago. The middle son is a youth pastor at my home church or our home church in Byron, Casson area. Uh, The oldest son is a teacher. In fact, his first year, his first two years of teaching were in Lorenz, Iowa. So he's got a little Iowa root in him. I realize that that school is no longer a high school, but that's where he started and then moved back to Minnesota. Uh, and they're all really close to us. They live in towns right around us in, in Byron, so it's been really fun. The youngest son happens to be an engineer. He works for Crenlow, which just happens to build cabs for John Deere, which there's my Iowa connection again. What can I say? There's all those pieces coming together. But Youth Alive... Youth Alive is about students. We connect with students. We empower students. We resource students. We train students to reach every student, every school, and every community. That's what we want to work on. We want to bring, the, bring Jesus Christ, the message of hope, to every student that we can possibly touch, which is what we've done when we've been down here with you with Faith Community. <clears throat> yes, we work with students See you at the poll has been around since 1991, and it's something that is not youth alive strictly. It's about the church. It's about students who are believers all, all around the world, not just in the United States, meeting at their flagpole at least once a year. Last Wednesday of September has been traditionally it. And we 
have students that we actually equip them during summer, even in summer camps, to say, hey, here's how you do it, so that they have a plan and a purpose when they get there instead of just showing up at the pole and hope someone else is there. That's something that students can do. We work a lot with students just giving them ideas or presenting opportunities to them. You'll see up here, this is just a year ago, even though it looks like just this weekend in Minnesota because we had snow, um, a student heard that another student on a soccer team was gathering their teams together after the game just to pray in the center of the field to thank God for a safe game no matter who won. This happened to be state tournaments a year ago. That student had heard about that soccer player, and he says, I can do that too. And their team just happened to be in the playoffs. And they, they, I think they ran four games in the playoffs and actually played in the Dome last year. And this is the last game outdoors before they went to the Dome. Do you see how many people are up there? Because one student said, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask my friends to pray. I'm going to ask my teammates to pray with me. I'm going to ask the other team if they want to pray. I'm going to ask other coaches if they want to pray with us. I'm going to ask the officials if they want to pray with us just to thank God for a great game and no injuries. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> students. Students are front lines in reaching schools. Yep, we do school assembly programs. They're pretty wow. You got to see some stuff on a video. I realize that. It's another opportunity with school assemblies to engage students, to give them another opportunity to share their faith on campus, to bring a speaker in. Yep, that's something that we do. And I would have to say right now, just in Minnesota, we have 400 uh, students that are enlisted in our campus ministry program. We have about 80 of them that meet with us on a monthly basis via Zoom, which all of us uh, know what that is now. All of us have had to use, of it, uh, use it, and most of us are sick of it because we really want to see a face-to-face, but it still is a great tool for those of us who can't get together, especially when you say, how about if we had students from all over the state of Iowa that wanted to get together at one time and talk about what they want to do on their campus? That's where Zoom can really fit in. And in fact, we're using online right now. So everybody who's online, thanks for joining us this morning. There's also the school assembly programs. I just want to tell you about that. We now have been in 1,040 schools over the last, and I get it, it's 19 years, so you can say, well, that's not a lot of schools per year. Well, it is if you had to go do it, because it takes a long time to go do schools. It takes us several days just to do the schools in this area, and that's a lot of work, and we've been in a lot of schools. We've seen, I'll actually give you the actual number, 26,646 students have responded to the gospel in evening programs that churches like your churches put on so that students can hear the gospel, not just a message of hope in schools. That's the difference. When we go to a school, it's a secular program, it's highly motivational, it's hope-filled, it's encouraging for students. But the evening is where we continue to encourage them in a step further because the ultimate hope is found in Jesus Christ. We know that. We want students to know that if they choose to come to an evening program. Right now, we're almost at a half a million students that have heard a message of hope during the day. Like I said, over 26,000 have responded to the gospel in an evening program. There's one more thing, and if you stop out at the booth after the service, you'll get to see a little bit more of this, and that's prayer zone partners. You don't have to be a student. You don't have to be a youth pastor. You don't have to be on a church staff to affect your schools. 
You just have to be an adult who's willing to pray. I love when people pray. And you don't have to spend time even out of your house to pray for a school. But there's a little something that we came up with. We call it Prayer Zone Partners. And it's a great way to remind you to pray for your school, for students, for faculty, staff, board members, administration. Whenever you drive through a school zone, you see those little road crossing signs. And you know that when school is in session, they want you to slow down to like 10 or 15 miles an hour, correct? Well, what if you just took those few seconds that you drove through that school zone, whether it's the 15-mile-an-hour time or whether it's the 30-mile-an-hour time? Oh, in Iowa, is it 25? Is that what your speed limit is in, the, in towns? Yeah. Whatever the speed limit is, as you drive through that, you just simply pray for that school. Wouldn't that be amazing? Think of that as intercessory prayer. Each time you pray, that's one more prayer laid before the throne room of heaven where God is listening and hears you, Lance, praying for that school, praying for those people, praying for that group of students. And if all of us would be involved with that, that's thousands upon thousands upon thousands of prayers for every school. It could be in the state of Iowa, the state of Minnesota, the whole Midwest, across the United States of America, and even around the world, if people would just pray as they drive through a school zone. You can add to that whenever you see a school bus. You know, instead of being upset when that school bus actually stops in front of you ten times before you get to town, how many have been on one of those roads? Instead of being upset about, why not just every time it stops, just say, I'll take these few seconds and just pray for the school that, that that bus represents. That would be an amazing turn of events, especially for me. Especially for me. So, another way that you can be involved. We just have school assemblies all over. This happens to be Eric Samuel Tim. You've had him here. Terrence Talley, who you saw in the video, he's there. And this is the kind of response, even in a school, where there's actually a a sense of hope and caring and concern that happens with students. And then evening programs. This one's in a church with Reggie Dabbs. A little dark, hard to see, but just like we've had here. I believe the last time we were here, it was this very room that students came in and we were able to share the gospel with them and see them respond. And again, our prayer zone partners, what I didn't tell you is that I have a group of motorcycle riders that ride the entire state of Minnesota, and I'm trying to entice some Iowa motorcycle guys, girls, to ride Iowa and pray for every public high school in the state. Wouldn't that be awesome? And I said, what if we like met somewhere along the border where the Minnesota riders and the Iowa border and Iowa riders were able to just connect and just pray, even if it was just for an hour or five minutes or lunch together, and then go on our ways and praying for for students all across the state of Iowa and Minnesota. Oh. In 2005, this is the why I continue to do Youth Alive. In 2005, there was a 10th grade girl who responded at a Reggie Dabbs outreach that we were doing. The place was packed. There's over 1,500 people there, and there were hundreds of students who came down. This girl was a really good runner, cross-country runner. She got a scholarship to go to Bemidji State University. She met a young man there. They fell in love, and now that girl is my, the mother of my three grandsons. 
So you wonder, hey, does Youth Alive work? Does what you're doing really work? Does it have any long-lasting effect? Well, it does in my family, and I didn't even know it. Her name is Brittany. Brittany tells a story. I wish she could be here to tell it, but simply says, I know that you were the one who prayed with me at that outreach. I don't even remember. I've been at so many, and they're usually it's a small group of kids that you're praying with when you're praying with them. I, don't, I get their names on a card, but she knows you're the one. And she said, you know what I began to pray when I became a believer? Is that I would not only get a husband, but I would get a family that cared about me. And she says, I met you before I even knew that you were going to be my father-in-law. And I went, wow, isn't that just like God? Youth Alive is something that does work. Youth Alive is something that God is using, not because of Richard Baker, not because even of this church, but the combination of our teams and teams like us around the nation and churches like yours and adults like you and students like yours all coming together to work together as the Holy Spirit draws us all together to expand his kingdom across the area that we're responsible for. Here in, do we call it the central Iowa? Or do we call it north central Iowa? Or do we call it northwest Iowa? Oh, you guys like northwest Iowa? Okay, I'll live with that one. That sounds good for me. All right, get my direction straight. Well, I'd like to move into a message this morning for you that I feel like is, is vital. I think it's something that all of us need to know. Uh, I would not say that it's specific to Youth Alive, but it's definitely for us as the church, and it's something that we all need to know if we're going to continue to expand the kingdom of God or see the kingdom of God expand through our personal lives, our church life together, and our community life as part of a larger group than even our, our churches. So let me begin just with a word of prayer. Father, we love you. Thanks for opening doors for us. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege and the opportunity of being here in this room and even online, Lord God, wherever we are across the state of Iowa and beyond, watching and listening to this, this uh, program and this message this morning. I pray, Lord, that you would pour out your spirit, not just in this room, but across the waves, beaming up to a satellite and back down to another person's living room. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak very clearly and in a way that draws us into you. We ask for this blessing in your name. Amen. Now, I can remember a number of years ago, yelling and screaming, which I won't do for the sound guys, it's here! It's here! The J.C. Penney's catalog for Christmas is here! How many remember that? Yes! I've got a group of people that absolutely know what I'm talking about because like today, for students, Amazon, one button, two buttons, three buttons, I'm at the toys I want to get to or the games or whatever else there is, right? But for us, way back in the day, it was that one-inch thick, very special JCPenney Christmas catalog. Oh, yeah. It's here, but then the fight began with my brothers to get it away from them so that I could be the first 
to go through the pages and relish all the toys that were there in front of me. The kind of you know, where you dog-eared the pages? There's one. Let's make sure mom sees that one, right? Circling the toys, checking the prices and going, oh, yeah, okay, that's not going to happen. And then, all right, do you all remember that? Sure we do. Gifts, a gift catalog. I even had nephews that were just a few years younger than me. And they would get the catalog. And I know as, as we, I got a little bit older and they got a little bit older. And then it was like, hey, I want this. I want this. How about, are you going to get that? Are you going to get this? And it was like a, almost like a little competition to see what was going on. See, I'm the youngest of nine kids. So that makes me a baby of the family. But it also makes me like an only child because the, the boys immediately older than me were twins. They did everything together. That means I was by myself except for when they wanted to fight with me, right? Everybody can relate. A little, a little. Somebody has a big sister who really pounded them down, didn't you? The youngest of nine. So money was a little bit tight. Extravagant gifts really didn't happen. But I had an older sister who was married, and they didn't have any kids. And her and her husband, I remember it clearly. Out of the kindness of their heart, they were the ones who brought me presents like the whole John Deere Ertle toy. That's from Iowa too, isn't it? Wow, have I got a connection with this place. The John Deere 116th scale set with the silage wagon and the T24 baler and the 4020 John Deere and all that kind of stuff. They were the ones as I got older that, that got me the, uh, the backpacks and the hunting knives and all the Boy Scout stuff that I wanted, the cook kits and all those pieces. Why? Because they wanted the best for me. See, gifts are just that. They're gifts. I didn't deserve them. You didn't either, even though you might think you do, and I think that I do. I didn't earn them. I didn't necessarily get to choose them, no matter what my list said. Some were things that I needed. Everybody remembers the socks you got, right? How about the packs of underwear? All that, the long johns, the wool socks, the whatever you needed for the winter. Those were some of the gifts that you got, and it was like, well, this is really fun, Mom. Right? But yet, there were gifts that were there just for fun. Our parents took care of us the best that they could. You know what? There were some times that you wished that you had someone else's gift too, didn't, isn't it? How come they got that? You didn't get that for me. And I know grandparents, they like give everybody the same thing, right? I can't think of one of those things right now, but I do remember being a paper boy and getting chocolate-covered cherries from Brock's, which had to be the waxiest chocolate in the world and the gooeyest gunk on the inside. And I know there's some people in this room that absolutely love those things, and I just kind of wanted to go, where's the garbage can, right? And they were being nice to me. That's why I felt so guilty if I actually threw one away. But eating them was not a pleasure, except for some people. Sometimes you just wonder what somebody else got. Well, that paper boy, they gave him a $20 bill. I got chocolate-covered cherries. But it's the same with our Heavenly Father. 
See, he really does love us, and he's perfect. He knows and he understands us. And even though we've seen gifts that we didn't like, he has gifts for us that are fit, tailor fit, just for you and just for me. He has things that he wants to pour into our lives. He wants us to use to glorify him. Gifts that he has for us that are absolutely awesome. So I want you to think about this this morning. What if each of us could discover our God-given purpose and the tools and the gifts that he's put in our lives to accomplish that purpose? What if God our Father made them available to each of us? What would change in our life? What would happen? How would it affect your daily living? How would it affect your family? How would it affect faith community church? Faith fam- Did I say it right? Faith community church. I'm sorry, folks. I always want to just go FCC, and then I have to think about what the letters mean. What about your community? How would it affect your community? How would it affect this community and beyond? You've seen some of it when we come and do school assembly programs. It goes far beyond Palmer or Manson, Northwest, Webster, Humboldt, Pocahontas, and beyond. What does it mean? And what would it mean to take your healthy, God-given spot in the kingdom of God, in the body of Christ, to see what could happen in this world if we all work together doing and being what God has called us to do and be? Well, we're fortunate because the Apostle Paul wrote some things down that gave us a little bit of a roadmap. And I'm going to move through these verses rather quickly. But if you want to turn with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to start with verse 1. We'll be going through verse 12. And I'm just going to quickly highlight through a number of those things till I get to verse 12 because I believe that there's something that the Lord wants us to do this morning that I'm not in control of. The Holy Spirit is, and I believe the Holy Spirit's actually going to speak to us this morning and show us some things that we need to know before we leave this room this morning. And for those who are online, before you click off Facebook Live or YouTube or whatever you're watching on. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters, I didn't use lofty words or impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan, for I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me read that again. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom, but in the very power of God. Paul's emphasis, even as he was speaking to them, and Paul is writing this letter to the Corinthians from Ephesus across the bay, But he had already led so many people to Christ there. And as he was speaking the gospel to them, he said, I didn't do it because of how great I spoke. I didn't try to be this amazing philosopher like the Greeks. Instead, I wanted to come to you just simply, plainly, sharing with you the truth, the wisdom that comes from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit. The power of the Holy Spirit. You know, when we look at our lives, the effects that we have on other people, if we would rely on the Holy Spirit to do His work in us, and sometimes, and always, and sometimes, through us, 
we would be much better off. We would gain more if we let the Spirit work through us. It wasn't by his own skills. It was simply the message of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit carrying that to those people who didn't believe yet. Let's go on to the next verse. Yet, when I was among mature believers, I did speak with words of wisdom, but not the kind of wisdom that belongs to this world or to the rulers of this world who are soon forgotten. Again, simply saying this. Now, when I'm talking to you to mature believers, I'm speaking, yes, wisdom, something that's deeper, but I'm letting the Holy Spirit speak those words through me because it doesn't come from the world's side of you. Here's the thing. He taught with wisdom not from a world point of view. He taught with something he had learned through the Holy Spirit. He taught with something that was being spoken through him instead of a world point of view. Now I want to get to the greatest gift. The greatest gift. No, verse 7. No, the wisdom that we speak with is the very mystery of God. His plan that was previously hidden, even though it, he made it for our ultimate glory before the world began. The mystery that he's talking about is the plan of salvation. What I love is he reminds us that that plan of salvation was set up even before creation. So we've got millennia before Jesus is even born, but God the Father had a plan already set in place. He was setting it all up, even though it took centuries. And it's been centuries since that plan was accomplished. But yet he still has a plan in all of it to bring it together in that last day. The mystery of God's plan of salvation. Go on to verse 8. But the rulers of this world have not understood it. And if they had, they would not have crucified our glorious Lord. Now I want you to see that rulers is mentioned in both verse 6 and this verse 8. But they're two different words. The words here are not just earthly rulers, but it is also insinuating spiritual rulers or rulers of an unseen realm. If they had known, they wouldn't have crucified Jesus Christ. Why would they not have crucified him? Because that's the plan. That's the mystery. Jesus coming, being born as a child, as a baby, an infant, growing up, being empowered by the Holy Spirit, living here, doing miracles, loving people, correcting people, speaking to people, showing them their errors, and yet raising up a group of disciples that were going to stay behind, living, dying on a cross for our sin, and being resurrected again, brought to new life, is the salvation plan. He had to go through it to accomplish what God wanted to accomplish. The only way that we could be restored to a right relationship with God the Father was through that plan found in Jesus Christ and then the power of the Holy Spirit to bring that about. I just want to stop here for just a moment because I don't know if there's a person in this room or if there's a person online that's listening and going, all right, what does that really mean for me? See, I haven't asked Jesus Christ to forgive me of my sin or my past. I haven't asked him to be Lord of my life. I haven't asked him to lead me where I need to go. I simply don't understand what my purpose 
for living is. But I know this morning that if you will put your faith in Jesus Christ, that you will discover your purpose for being, that you will discover your gifts, and that you will enter into a full life with him like those in this room and those online who have already done that in their life. There's nothing you can do or have done that can make him love you less. There's nothing that you could do, no act you could perform that would make him love you more. What I do know is that he loves you the way you are, but he wants to restore you to relationship with his Father. And he wants to build his character in you. And he wants to give you a purpose and a plan for your life. And he wants you to be his friend. He wants you to be part of the family with his Father. He simply loves you. He has always loved you, and he's waiting for you. So if you're a person online or in this room who wants to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, you can respond to him now by simply trusting him, knowing and believing that he is the Son of God, that he did pay the penalty for your past, your history, your sin, your shortcomings on that cross that he is alive today, that he wants to communicate with you. He wants to speak with you. He wants to give you a purpose and a plan for your life if you're willing to let him lead you. So I'm going to just stop and pray. And as I pray, if you just join with, with me, even if you're in this room or you're online, if you want to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, we can do that right now. Lord, you are just that. You are Lord of the universe. And you sacrificed yourself according to the Father's plan so that we could have a right relationship with him. So Jesus, I know that you are speaking through your Holy Spirit, whether it's through a satellite beaming into someone's living room or whether it's right here in this room. Lord, forgive me. Forgive us for the things that we've done wrong and the ways that we put you off. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to believe in you now, that faith would rise up, that we be connected with you. And Jesus, I ask you to be Lord of my life, to change me, to give me the purpose that I've always desired and showing me how to live that out here on this earth. Lord, I'm yours. Amen. Amen. The most important gift that we can possibly get is the gift of salvation. And I know that there's plenty of people in the kingdom of God who go, I'm saved, I'm just waiting for heaven. That's not the end, but it is the greatest gift. Just knowing that you're saved, knowing that you are born again, knowing that you are in the kingdom of God, again, is not the end. But it is the most important. Jesus said it this way to his disciples. Hey, don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Remember, he'd called the 72 back and they're saying, hey, this happened, this happened, this happened. They saw the power of God at work in their lives. But he said, you should rejoice that your name is written in heaven. The greatest gift starts there. But it opens a door of opportunity for more things that God wants to do. Faith in Jesus Christ is an open door for more In verse 9, it says this, and this is what the scriptures mean when they say, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. 
when we come into a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, there's something amazing that begins to happen in us. If we will just seek him out, he will speak to us because he wants to do much more in us than we even knew existed in us and through him. See, it's not just heaven that we're waiting for. It's not just heaven that's the reward. It's Jesus wants to be Lord now. He wants to use you now. He wants to use you here in Palmer, Iowa, or Manson, or Humboldt, or Pocahontas, or I don't know all the towns around you, so that's the big ones that I know of. He wants to use you no matter where you live. He wants to use you in your family. He wants to use you in this church. He wants to use you outside this church in your community. He wants to use you wherever you have influence. He wants you, and he's gifted you for those things. Verses 10 through 11. But it was us, it was to us that God revealed these things by his Spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and knows and shows us the God's deep secrets. No one can know a person's thoughts except the person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. God's spirit knows every thought that the Father has. But here's the beautiful thing. The Holy Spirit also knows us, knows us intimately. The Holy Spirit connects the two We become one because the Holy Spirit wants to give us everything that the Father has for us. He wants to shower us with great gifts. It's the connection that we have. God's Spirit graciously gives us everything that we need. Go to verse 12. This is the key to the whole thing. And I've seen this happen time and again. I was sharing with Pastor Lance this morning. This has become a key verse in my life because I've seen it work as we've waited on the the Lord and watched the Holy Spirit work, using this verse to help people go one step further. And I'm talking, I've used this with people who really are connected with God. People who have astounding ministries, and yet God speaks to them about something in their life or a gift that he wants to give them that expands their ministry. And I believe God wants to do that this morning too. I believe the Holy Spirit wants to move in you and he wants to speak to you. And let me just read the verse and then let's let God do what God always does. Good stuff. We have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, God's Spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things or the gifts that God has freely given us. Or another version would simply say graciously, outpours, lovingly, gives these great gifts to us. And we have received God's Spirit, not the world's Spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things that God has given us. Let me just give you a real fast, short list of gifts that are found in Scriptures. If you're in 1 Corinthians 12, a little bit later, it talks about wisdom, knowledge, great faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation of tongues. In Ephesians, Paul talks about the office gifts like apostles and prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. He even comes back to later in chapter 12, Paul adds the helpers, leadership or administration, encouragement, mercy. There are more and more gifts in the body of Christ that are not even listed that we know God wants to pour out. You may be the happiest person in the world, and we need you. 
because there's some pretty unhappy times in our world right now. You may be a person that just bubbles with joy, and we're all supposed to have the joy of the Lord, but how many have run into that person that just has an extra measure of that? Now, if it's a little too early in the morning, that's not so much fun hearing that joy. But that really helps in that midday doldrum when someone just comes along and gives you an encouraging word because they're so filled with joy. Is that not true? There's that person that always seemed to be there to help you when you don't think anybody really wants to help you because nobody likes to move for the fifth time. But they're always there. Everybody loves that person who loves to create great meals and bring them to the pot like they always have the best, right? You've run into people when you're traveling who just have the gift of hospitality and you love going to their house and staying there, at least I do, because they have the gift of hospitality. Everything you need is there. It's always a great place and there's a sense of peace in that home. Now, I didn't say that they were prophets. I didn't say that they were evangelists. Those are other things. Those are great when you see those guys at work. Girls, guys, girls. Generic term, okay? It's fun seeing people who have those gifts at work also. It's wonderful to see someone who has seemingly the flow of the gift of healing and they're able to pray for people and people are healed. It's amazing. But we don't all get all those gifts. Just like I can't get everything out of the J.C. Penny catalog, I can't get every gift. But God will give me the gifts that I need for the time that I have. And God has gifted me in certain ways. But here are the lies that the world wants to push on you. I can do it myself. The whole bootstrap thing. I'm not good enough. The other end of that. My past disqualifies me. The Lord doesn't really love me. Or no one can love me because of what I've done. Oh, God just wants to control you. Or just wants to control me. Those are the lies that Satan wants to use to keep people from moving into the gifts and the abilities in, first of all, salvation for some people. But even for believers, think of these hindrances. Well, I don't have any gifts. Well, that's a lie from God. I mean, from Satan. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, God said that. No, not really. I don't have the right gifts. I wish I had her gift or I wish I had his gift. You know, if I really had that gift, then then I would really be able to minister. Well, that's not necessarily true either. Here's one. I'm afraid. I think Moses is the one who really exemplifies that one, that excuse. He had all kinds of excuses, but really he was afraid to go back to Egypt. Even though God himself was speaking through a burning bush that didn't get consumed. Audible voice. Let's throw away the lies. Let's go back to the promise of this verse that he is willing to give you wonderful gifts. He, in fact, he's already given them. You just need to recognize them and let the Holy Spirit show you. What does that mean for us? We all have them. We all have some gifts. Some of them you already know. Some of them you really understand. You've got this, this, and this. You've experienced enough ministry in your life. You know where God flows in your life. But I want to ask you this morning, what else does the Lord want to give you? What else does he want to give you? So here's what I want you to do this morning. 
I don't normally bring my cell phone up front with me, but I want you to pull that out. You have your smartphone? If you don't have a smartphone, pull out your bulletin. You need one or the other. On your smartphone, just go ahead and click your notes or whatever uh, the Android version has or Evernote, wherever you keep notes that you want to pick up again. If you, if you don't have your smartphone or, you, or you've got the flip phone kind, okay, I understand. Doesn't matter. Pull out a piece of paper. And I'm going to pray. And as I pray, I'm simply going to ask the same question that the Scripture says. What wonderful gifts has God given you? What wonderful, I might even just do it this way, what wonderful gift has God given you? And I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to simply speak to you something that maybe you haven't really realized or maybe the Holy Spirit's already been speaking to you about a very specific task and gift that goes along with that task. See, some of you, may have the worst neighbor in the world, but God has given that neighbor as a gift to you. Because that gift is an opportunity. And he's put inside you a desire to see them come to know Jesus. Maybe you are that person who has that smile every day. And God wants to speak to you about very specific people that he wants you to use that smile for. God may be speaking to you about something that you hadn't really thought about. Let me give you an example for me. Just a couple of years ago, I felt like God was speaking to me say, use your pastoral gift. And I went, I'm not pastoring a church, Lord. I'm administrating. He said, no, I want you to be pastoral. Every time you go out with a team of people, I want you to pastor them. Some of them don't have a pastor. Two years ago, I felt like the Lord said to me, I want you to gather as many national communicators in schools as will come. And I want you to pastor them for a brief amount of time and send them back out. Now think about little guys like me calling big guys like them and saying, hey, you want to come and hang out with me? but God did it. Not because of Richard Baker, not because of Youth Alive, not because of anything other than the Spirit of God drawing people together to say, we're all going to lay down our egos and our reputation and our ministries and we're going to come together, we're going to hear from God and see what God wants to do in us. That's something I had to do. What is God calling you to do? What gift is he trying to resurrect in you? What gift does he want to remind you of that you have that you get to use? Are you ready? Because I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Father, for everyone in this room, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak very clearly to them over these next few seconds. That, Lord, you would reveal in them a gift that may have been hidden, a gift that they haven't understood, or maybe a gift they know they're supposed to use, but they haven't known how to use it yet. Lord, I pray that wisdom would come into this room along with the knowledge and that you would help each one of us to be able to use that gift. Lord, speak. 
What wonderful thing has God put in you? What wonderful gift has God given you? Write it down. Put it in your phone right now, even as you're listening. What is it? All right. Next step. It might be a little weird for you. I'm not sure because I don't know how much movement you get in here. I want you to tell your spouse. If your spouse is not with you, I want you to tell a friend in this room what God told you. Right? Stand up and do it. If your spouse is next to you, that's great. If there's a friend in the room, I want you to just go over and say, hey, here's what God told me. Fantastic. Now, I'm going to give you one more step. And this step may happen in the worship time that we're about to go into in the prayer time. Or I'm going to pray that if it doesn't happen then, that it will happen this week. And simply this. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to confirm whatever he put in your heart through someone else. That they come and say, hey, I really feel like you have this gift and that they would be able to pray for you and confirm that gift. So we're going to go into a time of worship, Pastor Lance. There's going to be time, and I'm not sure how everything works, so I'm not going to try to orchestrate that, but just simply say, if you sense in your heart that you need to go speak to someone and pray for them and pray over them for the gift that God's given them that they need to use, then you just go ahead and do it during this prayer time. If it's something that you're not sure about here, when you go out this week, maybe you need to call someone up. Maybe you need to go for coffee, even in crazy COVID times, or whatever connection you make with a person. Just simply say, hey, I feel like God's given you this. Can I pray for you? Does that sound good? All right, let me just close this part with a word of prayer and let you guys go to the next level. Lord, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Thanks for speaking this morning, Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord God, that you would simply confirm across this congregation and even online, Lord God, those, peop- those gifts that you really have given, those gifts that maybe we haven't uncovered or maybe those gifts that we've not put into play. I pray, Lord God, that you would help each one of us to actually discover and use those great gifts that you've given us, those wonderful things, that you would be glorified, that your kingdom would be expanded and we would know you better. 
In your name we pray.